reading this morning is going to be taken from Romans chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. Romans 5, 16 through 19. And the free gift is not like the effect of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness, reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Then as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Thank you, buddy. Good morning. Good morning. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I want to uh, encourage you to turn your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 8, and we'll meet there in just a few minutes. I uh, also want to remind you of a few things that uh, this has been a busy summer, and uh, I, I've been out some uh, several times, and I apologize for that. Uh, I will say there we have one one more Sunday that I'll be gone this next Sunday. Dustin and I will be going to uh, Pigeon Forest attending the Polishing the Pulpit Conference. And so we look forward to gaining uh, knowledge from those individuals that will be there and uh, uh, giving those lectures and things like that. And so uh, w- after that, we will be back. Um, but uh, thank you for the opportunity to be away like that. Don't forget, this Friday will be our first tailgating. Uh, the football season starts, and so we want to encourage you uh, to be there and be involved. We will start over at the high school about 5 p.m. Also, next Sunday evening, uh, we'll be having a sandwich and watermelon fellowship back in the fellowship hall. So I want to encourage you. That'll be very much like our um, like our ice cream fellowship. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, we had an excellent attendance last time. Uh, excellent fellowship. And so I want to encourage you to bring sandwiches and watermelons and uh, things like that. Uh, by the way, go ahead and cut those watermelons before you come so they'll be ready to eat. And we'll fellowship with each other as we worship together uh, as well. Uh, don't forget ladies about the diaper swipe uh, today for uh, Nicole, but also I want to encourage our men. Don't forget about the men's breakfast coming up on August the 25th. So there's a lot of things happening and a lot of things going on and so I want to encourage you to take note of those things and look in the bulletin and uh, keep up with all those things that are going on. On August the 28th, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King, he stood on the steps of the Washington or the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. He stood before about 250,000 civil rights supporters and delivered what is known now as his famous I Have a Dream speech. This was a defining moment for the civil rights movement in which he called for an end to racism in the United States for civil and economic rights. And I want you to notice some excerpts that I've taken from this speech as we think about freedom in Christ and to set up the idea of freedom. Dr. King would say, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, 
The sons of former slave owners and uh, sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today, Dr. King would say. He would go on and he would say, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from the stone mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, he says, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and from every city, we will be able to speed up the day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing the song, sing the words of the old spiritual. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we're free at last. Dr. King was calling for civil and economic freedom. Something this country needed. And something sometimes this country still needs today. We're known as the land of the free. Many will risk their lives and uh, property and all kinds of things to come and be a part of this nation. The land of the free because they are seeking freedom. However, true freedom is not found between the shores of the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean. It is not found in any other land for that matter. Freedom is not found, true freedom is not found in anything or any human being. You see, true freedom, what we want to look at today, is only found in Jesus Christ. And see, there are people that search far and wide, high and low, seeking freedom from the oppression that they live in, from the oppression that they deal with. And they seek the land of the free because they want to be free. And you know, we have neighbors, we have co-workers, we have people living in the United States of America, the land of the free. And they're suffering. And they're hurting. And they're in slavery. They're in bondage. They're in need of being free. And so today, we want to look at the book of John chapter 8, or the chapter of John chapter 8. There's a lot of stuff here in this chapter. And we don't have time to get into every detail, but I want us to just 
see some of the highlights of what Jesus is dealing with here. And it blows my mind of the things that Jesus is dealing with through the book of John. Also, in in the Pathfinders class, we began studying this morning the book of Mark. And he's going to be dealing with some of the exact same things of what's going on in that day and time. And what's interesting is that as we look at what culture was like, what society was like in that day and time, we see a lot of the same things going on today. For one... Do you realize that there are people in our nation today who reject Jesus as the Son of God? You see, most of us have grown up in a culture and a time in our nation when even people that were not religious... They live by some sort of of moral standard that was based in Christianity. But no longer are we living in those kind of times. Our times are getting more closely to what, what it was like when Jesus walked the face of this earth. And Jesus faced the, God, the people of God, the Israelites, the people who were told about the Messiah, the people who were privileged to receive prophecy and know about the coming Messiah rejected Him. And that's what we see happening in our text today. Notice in John chapter 8. I want us to notice a few things of what Jesus tries to get these people to understand about true freedom. The Jews longed for freedom. They longed for it. And yet they were in slavery. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12, If you truly want to be free, then you must walk in the light. Notice verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's interesting that Jesus refers to Himself as the light of the world. Remember the feast that was taking place here? The feast of the tabernacles. These Jewish people in Jerusalem, they are celebrating this feast. You remember they built these tents. There were tents all over the city of Jerusalem. Many would spend the night in these tents. And it's interesting that as they they went about this feast. They are commemorating, they are remembering of how God provided and took care of their forefathers. You remember also how the Bible tells us that God led the people by a pillar of cloud by night, but also by a pillar of fire, a light by night, or cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. And it was during the Feast of the Tabernacles that, this, that the worshipers recalled to their minds this phenomenon that took place. And they would do that, they would recall that by the lighting of the golden candle arbor. And it was in this setting, on this occasion, with this on the minds of these people, that Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. He claimed to be the light of men. And this was a change from everything that these religious leaders and these religious people had been doing. No longer were they to follow a light of remembrance. Not that it wasn't important, but no longer Jesus is calling them to follow a new light. Not a light of remembrance, but a light of the present. 
A light of the present and a light of the future. And He is the light of men. The light of the world. Someone said, Jesus, the Word of God, whose life as the prologue has stated, that's the prologue, chapter 1 and verse 4, is the light of men. John's already said that. And here Jesus is proclaiming that again. And He says, gives illumination to all who follow. You ever been in the dark? I remember it was sometime last year. And of course, I know, I know Stan and others got all kinds of calls. But there were sections of town that went dark. You remember that? If you lived in that section, what was the one thing you wanted? You wanted light. You wanted power. And Jesus says, people, religiously, spiritually, you are in the dark. And I'm here to tell you, the light that was prophesied about, that's me. I'm the light. And if you truly want to be free, you must walk in the light. He challenges their whole thinking about true light. True light, true illumination only comes through Jesus Christ. Now you see, here's what's interesting. This greatly frustrated these Jewish leaders. It frustrated them. They asked the question, notice verse 13. Or they make the statement, you bear witness of yourself your witness is not true. Man, that's a bold statement, is it? Here these religious leaders are telling the Messiah, the, the light of the world, to His face, your witness is not true. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on their side. We'll notice why in just a minute. Jesus says in verse 14, Now actually... The truth is that my witness is true. It's true because Jesus says, look at verse 14. I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. Now I want you to just I don't know what's on your mind right now, but I just want you to think about that. Just think about that sobering truth. And here's something, I want to put a disclaimer out today. My purpose is not to step on anybody's toes, but listen, I'm telling you, there's some stuff in John chapter 8 that is sobering for us to think about. And the first sobering fact is right here. Jesus says, you don't even know me. You don't know where I've come from and you don't know where I go where I'm going but I know What about us? What about you and I sitting here today? Are we sure of where we are from and where we are going? I don't mean physically I'm not talking about our physical families or our physical geography. I'm talking about spiritually. Do we know where we've been and do we know where we're going? Jesus said He knew, but these religious God followers did not know. So what about me? 
Speaking about His witness being true, Jesus even reminded the Jews about what was written in their law about witnesses. Look at verses 17 and 18. This is interesting. Jesus knew their law, and Jesus comes along and He says, It's also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of myself. He says, listen, you're calling me untrue. You're calling me a liar, and I'm even following your own law. Your own made-up written law. I'm following that. And you still say that my witness is not true? And the Jews ask him this question, verse 19, Where is your Father? I am blown away in John chapter 8 at the audacity of these Jewish leaders and what they question Jesus about and what they ask Jesus about. There's one that we really won't uh, uh, look at um, in about verse 41. It blows my mind that they would accuse Him of these kind of things. That they would make those kind of bold statements. And they're saying, you're not true, your witness is not true. Where is your father? You talk about this father, where is your father? This must have been frustrating to the Lord. This was God's chosen people. The ones who had been entrusted with prophecy about the coming Messiah. And now that the Messiah is here, they reject Him. They tell Him His witness is not true. They ask, where is your Father? They should have known that. Jesus then gives them some more sobering facts. Look at verse, the rest of verse 19. You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Now most of us, if we could hear directly the words of Jesus, if Jesus was here and He was speaking to us, I don't think we'd want to hear that. I wouldn't want to hear it. But Jesus tells these religious leaders, God followers... You don't know me. Not only do you not know me, you do not know the Father. You who claim to follow God the Father. You see, Jesus challenges them and challenges their thinking. He challenges their spiritual thinking because the reality is, we'll see later in this chapter here, they're not thinking spiritually. They're thinking physically. And He challenges them and He challenges us. If we really want to be free, then we have to walk in the light of the world. And that includes knowing who Jesus is, knowing who God is, and knowing where we are going. Jesus says, if you truly want to be free, you must walk in the light. And then notice verse 21. Jesus says, if you truly want to be free, then you have to walk in the forgiveness of sin. 
These Jews acted as if they received their salvation through all the rituals and traditions that they were doing and were involved in. And Jesus tried to tell them differently, and He tried to tell them the truth, but they would not listen or believe. Notice verse 21 and following. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek Me, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will He kill Himself? Because He says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, You will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Then then they said to him, Who are you? They're asking him again. And Jesus said to them, Just what I've been telling you. I'm the one I've been telling you about. But later John says, They didn't understand. They didn't understand. Jesus tells them here some of the most serious and sobering facts about life and eternity. I'm going away, remember He said. And you will seek Me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Wow. You're going to die in your sins. Where I'm going, you cannot come. What were the Jewish people living for and looking for? The Messiah. They longed for the Messiah. They longed to be free from the oppression and the oversight of the Roman government. They wanted to rule. They wanted to be free. And when freedom came, they scoffed at it. They rejected it. And because they rejected Him, Jesus says, then you can't come where I'm going. And hear me now, He says, you will die in your sin. Flat out rejection of Jesus the Messiah leads to dying in sin and not being where He is. Folks, that's sobering. And in a culture that's quickly rejecting Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, we need to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. If you want to be free, it's in Jesus. If you want to be free, it's walking in the light of the world. If you want to be free, it's walking in forgiveness of sin. One commentator said, basically Jesus is saying this, You have been following Me all around Jerusalem at the Feast of the Tabernacles, taking issue with everything I say. You have rejected Me. There is going to come a time when you will seek Me, but it will be too late. There is going to be a separation. Though Christ originally said this to His detractors and enemies, He said this for all people throughout history. There will be a time of ultimate separation. Our Lord's language was straightforward and tough, and the Jews did not respond very well. 
we do live in a time where on purpose we are many times careful with what we say and how we say it. And that's not wrong. But in that we also, the Bible challenges us and tells us to speak the truth in love. And I believe that's what Jesus was doing here to these Jewish leaders and these hearers in his, uh, of His voice. His message was strong, it was straightforward, and it was tough, but it was bathed in love because He still... He still, even though these Jewish people are rejecting Him, He still is trying to call out to them. He's still trying to entreat them to follow Him. He's still trying to encourage them, if you really want true freedom, it's in Me. It's in Me. Why is there going to be a separation? He says in verse 22, because you are beneath. I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. But if you do believe me that I am He, if you do not believe me that I am He, you will die in your sins. Those who do not believe and who do not submit to Christ as Savior, as the light of the world, as the one who brings forgiveness of sins, cannot go where Jesus is going and is gone. Heaven. Freedom. Do you want to be free? Do you want to live in freedom? Freedom is giving our life to Jesus Christ. Freedom is submitting our life to Jesus Christ. Walking in Him. Walking with Him. Walking for Him. Walking to Him. That's true freedom. One day, at the end of our life, if we are in Christ, if we have given our life to Him through faith and obedience, if we have been buried with Jesus in the water of graves of baptism, not to get wet, Because I believe that He is the Son of God. And He is the Savior of the world. I believe it. I'm willing to act on it. I'm willing to follow Him. I'm willing to die for Him. And I'm willing to walk with Him. Then we too can be with Him in heaven. But if not, Jesus, hear me, not Barry, Not any other preacher. Not our elders. Jesus said, if not, you can't be with me. And then finally this morning, Jesus says, to truly be free, we have to walk in truth. Hearing the words of Jesus, many believed in Him. And He reminded them and anyone else, including the Jewish leaders, that if you really want to believe in Me, you must abide in My Word, verse 31. And then you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Remember Dr. King declaring the truths of a nation who was founded on everyone being equal. That's a truth. And Jesus says, listen, Dr. King says, if this is really true, then we all should be free. 
And Jesus says, listen, if you are truly my disciple, if you truly believe in me, if you truly are ready to submit your life to me, then you can be free. Turn over to John chapter 18 real quick, if you will. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 37, Jesus is before Pilate. And He has a similar discussion with Pilate about truth. This is right before His execution. He's already been talking about it from John chapter 1. Now we're in John chapter 8. And even over here in John chapter 18, He's still talking about He being truth and His witness being truth. Pilate responds with a question. What have you done? And Jesus responds to that question. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. Remember who Jesus told the Jewish leaders, even your law, your written law says, if you have two witnesses, it's true. He says, I'm one of them and the Father. And Jesus tells Pilate, I'm, I'm here because I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate responds to Jesus with another question. What is truth? Now that's a great question, isn't it? What is truth? It's interesting that Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, He did not answer Pilate. He did not answer that question directly at that moment because in reality, for those of us who read the Scripture today, He had already recorded it. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, He said, Sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. I know it's old. Because now we have these. But the reality is, the words written in this book, the words recorded on these devices, they're not just words, it's not just any other book. It is the truth. It's the truth. And at a time when people are beginning to reject this as truth, let us claim like Jesus did. Your Word, Father God, is truth. John would also record in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. In verse 14, He would tell us that later the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that was Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Part of God came down and dwelt among men. And His name's Jesus. He's the Word of truth. And we should listen to the Word of truth. You see, some of these people, <clears throat> they believed. But it seems that even their belief was nominal. Very much so like those in previous chapters who only came and believed in Jesus because 
of the signs. But their belief was not long-lasting. It was shallow. It was not a belief that would change their life and that they would follow. It's interesting, and our time is up, but it's interesting that on the latter part of this chapter, these people question and they say, uh, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say then you will be made free? Jesus says, I, I know you're Abraham's descendants. In fact, He goes on and says, before Abraham was, you put so much stock in Abraham, before Abraham was, I am. I am. You see, I stand before you Jewish leaders. I stand before you people who shallowly believe and I declare to you that I am truth. You see, the Jewish people, they did not like slavery. They had been in slavery uh, throughout their history. They had been enslaved to Egypt and Babylon um, under the, the rule of the Philistines, the Greeks, and now the Romans. They did not like the thoughts of slavery. They did not want to be called a slave. They did not want to think about slavery. They wanted to be free. <clears throat> and yet, they rejected true freedom. But here's an interesting thing. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Paul said, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, Jesus talked about that in John 8, Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Paul would talk about in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. He would say, listen, uh, if you walk after the fruit of the Spirit, then you are free. There is no law. Because you are under the submission and the rule of Jesus Christ. And that's only the only place that one can receive true freedom. Freedom is in the light of the world, Jesus. Freedom is in forgiveness of sins that only comes through Jesus. And freedom is in the truth. The truth of God's Word and the truth of Jesus. A 12-year-old accidentally killed one of the family geese one time by throwing a stone Figuring his parents would notice one of the 24 gone, he buried it. His sister saw the crime take place. And she said, I saw what you did. And if you do not want me to tell mother, then you will wash dishes for me. You will do my chores. And so he did. He washed those dishes for days. And then one day he got fed up with it. He got fed up with the slavery. He got fed up with the bondage. He got fed up with the guilt. And she said, wash the dishes. And he said, no, you do it. He said, she said, if you don't, I will tell mom. To which he replied, I've already told her. And she's forgiven me. You see, maybe you're here today. And maybe it is, you're still in bondage. Maybe it is you're outside of Jesus Christ and you're still in bondage of sin. We declare to you 
The same thing Jesus did to these Jewish people and these leaders. Come to Me. Come walk in the light. Come receive forgiveness of sins through Me. Because I'm truth. And the truth will set you free. Maybe it is you're here today and Satan's thrown all kinds of things in your life. Satan's thrown all kinds of distractions. He's thrown all kinds of weights. And you still feel in bondage. God never promises to take some of those things away. What He promises is freedom in Christ and help to walk through the valleys. Jesus has been there. And He can set you free. As together we stand and sing.